Hey everyone, how you doing? This is Amon Green, Green Bay Packers all-time leading rusher, and you're listening to The Average Cheese, hosted by Dell and Todd, two lifelong Packer fans talking about their favorite team, the 13-time champion, Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go! Welcome to episode 117 of the Average Cheese Podcast. The whole family is here, plus a special guest that I will introduce in a moment. Thanks to Rhonda and the folks at r Management. Thanks to Dwight at DGCustoms.com. And thanks to Dan and the folks at Bob Anderson Builders. So we welcome our special guest. It is Eric from the former Acme Army podcast. Northwoods Eric is what we're going to call you. Eric, it is nice to see you. How are you this evening? Doing fantastic. Excited uh, to see you guys again and equally excited to be here. Thanks, man. I am so excited that you're here. There's so many things I want to ask you. Before we do that, though, I want to do a new listener contest. We have a core of people that we talk to all the time, which is awesome. I was thinking about like giving away T-shirts, like do you rant and all of the folks that listen all the time, like if they brought in somebody, I don't know. Of course, I'm dropping this on you and I never ask you these things ahead of time. (laughs) So reward our all the time listeners by bringing in new listeners. Hmm. Well, we've done all the like milestone of like every time we hit like another 500 followers on Twitter. Yeah, we've done done that. When did we stop? Should we do another one at 2000 or something? I don't know. We're a ways away from that. But those never like we never got more followers because of that. So I don't know. Not more listens, like not a significant amount of listens. I don't know. So every episode, Peter comes up with the you know, the factual side of things. So, Peter, it is episode 17. It's the David Whitehurst edition of The Average Cheese. It's the only one I know. It should have been David Whitehurst, now I think about it, because he was my first Packers quarterback. So Lynn Dickey was injured as the year Lynn Dickey broke his leg or a year after Lynn Dickey broke his leg. So it should have been David Whitehurst, but it's not. It's not Devontae Adams either. Okay. I'm a little surprised. Too re- too, just too recent to be Devontae Adams. He'll, he might be episode 217. I'm going to go back to a passer, the guy that led the Packers to a championship in uh, 1939, Cecil Isbell. Had he played more years, would be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Probably in the view, certainly, of, of me, and I'm biased, I admit. Ought to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame anyway. So only played five years with the Packers, was their first round draft pick in 1938. But say, led the Packers to that championship and was author of two of the greatest seasons in NFL history, 1941 and 1942. And in 1942, he became the the league's first 2,000-yard passer in a season, became the first passer to throw for more than 20 touchdowns in a season. In fact, threw for 24 that year, which stood as a Packers record all the way through until Lynn Dickey broke it in 1983. So So it stood for 41 years. He also threw a touchdown pass in 23 consecutive games, 
which was a, a record, which stood until the 1950s when um, Johnny Unitas broke it, um, early 60s, actually. And then he also threw a touchdown pass in every game of the 1941 season and the 1942 season. And he's one of those guys that, like I say, is super underrated because he only played five years with the Packers, but he's one of the great passers in in Packers history. And, and actually was quite controversial when he came in in 1938 because the Packers had had a Hall of Fame quarterback at the time, Arnie Herber, that they moved on from. Cecil came in and played those five years. And like I say, in my view, should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Left the Packers after the 42 season to go and coach back at Purdue, where he went to college. I think there was more money in it than there was playing. Of course, catching most of the passes from Cecil was the great Don Hudson. It always helps to have Don Hudson to throw to, I would I would probably suggest. Cecil Isblow is a personal favourite of mine. And like I say, should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Peter, is he in the Hall of Pretty Good? No, I would say Pretty Good, but it's the Hall <laughs> yes. of Very Good. He is. He is, yeah. And he was a finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, the senior, um, when they did the Centennial class a couple of years ago, where Bobby Dylan got in. He was a finalist for that. And I actually thought he might get in then. So on that senior list, along with thousands of others, unfortunately. Right on. Thank you, Peter. Let's move on to some slices. I saw that Jets are going to fly the personal plane out to see Aaron Rodgers today. Eric, we talked ad nauseum about Aaron Rodgers, so our friends on the show already have heard our opinions. Your thoughts on, A, the Jets flying out today, and just Aaron Rodgers in general. Aaron Rodgers uh, is the greatest quarterback whoever uh, laced him up in green and gold. So far, everybody has an expiration date. I think uh, his was last year. We talked about this a bit on our podcast last year. You don't want to come off too crazy suggesting that it's a good time to trade the back-to-back league MVP. He was kind of growing to me in the wrong direction. More about him and less about the team. And I think that was evidenced by all the talk about his contract was nowhere near $150 million and turns out it was 151 uh, And the fact that you lost Devontae and you had a, a group of new young receivers. So being there in June... And working with the young guys is certainly something that I would expect from a $50 million a year quarterback. Although after looking at Daniel Jones today, maybe that isn't saying anything. <laughs> Four years and 160 for that guy is bizarre to me. I wish him the best. I'll always root for him unless he's playing the Green Bay Packers. I'm very excited about uh, where we're headed. Todd, any thoughts on Aaron Rodgers and them flying out to see Aaron today? Uh, well, I think the, the first thing is the, the Packers had to give him permission if they're sitting on the the facts of you know saying that they're going to allow him to explore all of his options, I guess you kind of have to do that. But the the one thing that makes me nervous, and and I don't want to see him go. So the one thing that kind of makes me nervous is the Nathaniel Hackett uh, factor. Him getting on that plane and and showing up there, and you know their their relationship um, is a pretty tight one. So it made me kind of think, hmm, that might be something that's we talked the last episode talking about retiring or, or moving on. You can search the internet, it just dominates the headlines and everybody's got a completely different opinion about or projection about what's going to happen. But I don't think anybody really knows until Aaron decides it's time to say whatever it is that he's going to say. So I just want him to say something soon. If they trade Aaron Rodgers, the 40 million cap hit that I saw Angles put out on the internet, is that enough? Like is the 20 million they're saving enough? I don't know. Is it worth it? So that's not it for me. I, I think that I think there's a few things here. This visit would appear to me to be about whether or not the Jets can sell themselves to Aaron Rodgers 
in terms of that's a place that he'd like to play. And then I think there's a second factor that then comes into play is whether or not the Jets and the Packers can come to a deal as to the as to the compensation. And the sticking point on that, I don't think it's draft picks necessarily. I think it's Rogers' contract and the $59 million that sits there, currently sitting there as, as an option, an option bonus in September. I think that's an issue. And I think that will be an issue for any team that takes... Rogers. So my suspicion is that that contract will be reworked as part of the trade and the Packers will pick up an even bigger cap hit on top of that 40 million to make the deal happen if they get to the point of it happening. And I'm not yet convinced that it will happen. Like Todd said, I don't think any of us quite know how this is going to play out. question that keeps going around in my mind is now that the Packers clearly have given permission for the Jets to have these conversations... That's clearly an indicator to Aaron Rodgers that, at the very least, they're prepared to move on. What happens if the conversation between the Jets and Rodgers doesn't end up with Rodgers wanting to go to New York? Um, is he in a position to be able to come back to the Packers? Is that become unpalatable at that stage? I don't, I don't know. Once the cat's out of the bag, can you put the cat back in the bag? Todd, yeah. do you read it that way? I haven't thought of it that way, but that's why I always come on the show so I can learn something from Peter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I do. I, I haven't thought of it that way. Well, I mean, if you listen to what Gutenkraus was talking about, like at the combine, he was pretty poker faced. He he didn't allow any type of you know information out that would lead you to believe they were headed in one direction or the other. So, but that's his job, right? He's he's not going to just announce something like that at the combine and turn everything upside down. Do I think it's gone too far for him to not come back? No, I'd find it hard to believe that he's burned bridges at this point. But I think the longer it goes on, the more likely his welcome will be worn out. Eric, what do you think is reasonable compensation from the Jets? Let's say, like Peter says, they work out the contract and it's okay and the Packers have to give up, whatever. But what do they get? What do you think they should get for Aaron Rodgers at this state in his career? First, let me circle back and answer the question that you directly asked. One about the, the plane ride out there. To me, given Aaron Rodgers' stance on Big Pharma, I find it very interesting that Nathaniel Hackett and the Jets' brain trust, along with Woody Johnson, are flying out to uh, California to meet with Aaron Rodgers. That, to me, is bizarre. I didn't think that was going to happen. That's why I didn't think the Jets thing was going to happen at all. And I'm still not convinced that it does. If it does, that's not a question that I feel qualified to answer. You know, they're talking about a first-round pick and a player Lately, in the, as you've seen in the news the last few days, there's been quite a bit of talk about the Packers uh, eating, as Peter uh, suggested, a portion of that contract. Nothing would surprise me. I get the feeling, not at all with the Bob McGinn stuff, but I get the feeling that Green Bay is ready to move on. And so I think if it took taking a bigger cap hit this year in order to make the deal work, I think a first round and a third round and a player, something like that, I, I don't think it'll be simply... You know, some people are talking about second and third round stuff. I think that's disrespectful to Rodgers. I don't think he'd like that. Obviously, he wouldn't want to lose talent off his own team, but I just think that someone of his stature who's given as much as he has to the game to get traded one year removed from an MVP for a couple of you know, second and third rounder, I don't think is a adequate compensation for a guy in his league. Well, if the Packers took the $60 million, I mean, the hit would be $60 million if he retired or whatever it would be. If it's sixty million, like his contract would be, then it almost has to be draft picks. I mean, because they don't have enough room underneath the cap to then swallow 
They're not getting Quinn and Williams or Sauce Gardner, but that's been thrown out there in the past. They're going to have to have a middle-of-the-road player in order to be able to even have that amount of money available to keep that player on the team. No, I think you're right. I think if there's a player involved, I think it's going to be a it's going to be a backup player, probably a safety or a position that Packers need, but probably a backup player. I think the difficulty that any team trading for Rogers has is they have no guarantee that he'll play beyond this coming year. And so I think that sullies the compensation that they're likely to get, which is why I think that next year's draft pick, if there's draft picks involved next year and or the following year, which is quite possible, is that there'll be a bunch of conditional draft picks in there. So I I think it's a draft pick up front and probably a bunch of conditional draft picks that that may start at a third but become a second or a first if he leaves them to the Super Bowl and that kind and that kind of thing. If he's on the roster on September the first on a certain date, there'll be another compensatory pick. I think it's really difficult when you're talking about a 39 year old quarterback with that contract with no guarantee that he's he's going to play because the Jets could fall into the same situation the Packers have been in for the last two or three years. Every February saying I. Oh, I'll go off to my dark room for four, for, for four days. That could happen, continue to happen. So I think the Jets are in an interesting situation. I mean, I saw something from Joel Corey, who was um, an agent and posts a lot about the salary cap and stuff on CBS. And I think he was talking talking in the, in the region of anywhere between one second-round pick and a first-round and a second-round pick. That kind of range of picks is probably about right. There may be a player thrown in there. Those picks, they may even stretch into 2025 draft picks. Who knows? I don't think anybody does. I I think it's one of those situations we've never really been in before. It'd be nice to get a Russell Wilson-type haul or a Herschel Walker-type haul, but that's not happening, I'm afraid. For me, it's not the level of play as much as his commitment to the game is getting questioned over and over again. So it goes back to what you said before. It's like, I don't know if this guy's going to play. So I'm not giving up the boat for him when I'm not sure that he's going to be around in a year or if he's going to go through the same thing, it's the ayahuasca or the deprivation tank or whatever next year's version of, I'm not sure of myself is going to be. I think that would, would give me pause as an NFL team more than he had off year last year. Yeah. And I guess the other thing you throw into there is if there were three or four or five teams competing for him, then that naturally would push the value up. It doesn't appear and we're sitting on the outside looking in, but it doesn't appear to be that way. I mean, I think the Jets right now obviously appear to be the front runner, and there may be one or two other teams that have interest, the Panthers possibly, if the Packers would trade to an NFC team, which is another question. But there doesn't appear to be three or four teams competing really hard for him right now. I'll just uh, reiterate, I think that whatever team he goes to, whether it's the Jets or whoever, I think there's no doubt that team is going to inherit the drama. He didn't go into this four days darkness and emerge like, oh yeah, I'm not going to do that. Like he is who he is. We're going to, you're going to go through this every year. So are you going to, you know, are you going to inherit like that drama along with like the risk of giving away future picks or whatever when you just don't even know if he's going to be back from year to year? I probably wouldn't, right? But the Jets have said we're all in for a Super Bowl right now. We're going all in. Who knows? Just a quick question to turn around and ask you guys. One of the things that I think is likely in a trade to anybody is a somewhat of a modification, a restructure on Rodgers' contract. And what I'm thinking is that you got Woody Johnson, you got Saleh, you got, uh, you've got uh, the new offensive coordinator whom he's really comfortable with. 
I think that they're out there saying, yeah, we would like to have you, but we want a minimum two-year commitment. So there isn't the drama next year. And, you know, they could hold his feet to the fire if they did something like that in a restructure where the bulk of the money is is due if he plays the second year, that kind of thing. There's, there's all sorts of ways that they can restructure these deals, but they could turn it around. This is certainly works to his advantage, this last contract. They could do something where, hey, we're willing to do this. It's two-year two year window. Are you in for two years? It's fascinating. I'm, I'm tired of all the drama. Yeah, what do you I think say? you're right. I think you have to do that. You have to get not only the commitment to play those seasons, but there's got to be something. You alluded to it earlier, Eric, with the come in in June and play with your wide receivers. Come in and see what your team is like. Don't be this aloof, like I'm more important than the team guy. Like come in and commit yourself for the next two years. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think financially they have to do it, but there's got to be something written into that contract that you you show up for minicamp for the first time in 15 years because otherwise you get more of the same. They've seen it happen year after year, so I'm sure they don't want to deal with that either, especially if they're going to give up a bunch of picks for it if they're making this run. Think of all the Green Bay Packers staff that are involved in the draft and keeping them like in a – holding pattern every year the predictions and the the analytics that go into like trying to make the correct pick at the right time and you know all that stuff they try to narrow that as close as possible to make the most accurate best pick available like that you can right that's gonna help the team win but when you have to go through this every year like there's none of that going on because everything is hinged on his decision and coming back there's no way to really prepare for this draft. You can kind of have your draft board and do whatever, but without knowing all these other factors based on his decision, that's got to be a tough room to be in. Yeah. Fuck Aaron Rodgers. I'm tired of talking about him. (laughs) Let's talk about something else. So Peter, you talked about safeties and we've talked about safety as being that position on the board, on the board, but after this weekend, not sure the Packers will down the safety being drafted board, at least not early. So I was thinking, we should look to a veteran, which we've talked about before. Is there anybody, we have a list, but is there anybody, Peter, that you like as a free agent that is likely-ish to sign with the Packers? No, only because the ones that I really like are the really expensive ones. You expensive taste? <laughs> well, players I like are Jesse Bates, free safety at Cincinnati. I really like, but he played on tag last year, $12.9 million or something the number was last year. So he's looking, I would imagine he's looking for a contract in, in that kind of range. And I think in a different year, if the Packers had cap space, then, then that would be a guy that you would you would absolutely be playing for. But but I don't think the Packers are in that position. And the same with Jordan Poyer at Buffalo. He's more of a strong safety, pro bowler, all pro a couple of years ago, good player. But again, you're talking about similar type of type of type of money, I would I would imagine. But those are the two guys that I really like, but I would, wouldn't I? Yeah, you have expensive tapes. <laughs> now we know this. So my guy, of all, it's interesting that the list that they had, I don't even remember what website it was, all these guys were on deep playoff team. Poyer, Jesse Bates, Von Bell, Chauncey Briggs, all coming. You know, that's the result of going to a Super Bowl, right? Guys want to get paid off of that Super Bowl or going deep in the playoffs. I think Juan Thornhill is actually the guy on this list that I like the most. He's younger. I think he, because he is not a household name like Poyer and Bates, 
Von Bell, maybe two. But I think Juan Thornhill actually might come to you. I don't want to say on a reduced salary because that's not what I mean, but on a lesser salary that the Packers might be able to come up with. And he's been productive. He's been productive as a tackler and he's picked a couple balls up. I think he had three picks last year. I'm not sure what it is. You don't, I mean, it's not a huge bunch, but that's the guy I'd most be interested in off the list that we were looking at. Eric, you have a different guy that you're looking at to play safety for the Packers. Again, we, we go back to Aaron Rodgers because I think his situation and what additional cap space, you know, it's $9 million or so if he's traded this year, we get him off the books. That's one thing. But if we wind up having to add to that cap and eating some of the money, that's going to cut into what you can do, obviously, in free agent. But Wisconsin's own Jimmy Ward, from the Niners. He's a little bit older than these guys, but a two-year guy, I think Spotrack had him at about a seven and a half million. So you're looking, you know, maybe it's a 13 or 14 million two-year contract. Come back and play in Wisconsin. You know, after having been gone for so long, I doubt that there's any kind of a ties there. strong desire. And yeah. you know, the other thing about Aaron Rodgers that still ties into this is I think we got a whole lot of folks that were very interested in coming to play ball with Aaron Rodgers. When he's gone, does the luster of coming to Green Bay, at least for a while, kind of go away? It sure might. And we talked about this in the past. Razul Douglas moves to safety, and none of these things are an issue. You know, the Brian Branch running the 5.7940 or whatever he ran at the Combine, like none of those things will matter because Razul Douglas is going to move to safety, and now you've got Maybe a corner issue, but you don't because you have Alexander and Stokes and so on. Maybe he's the answer and he might have to be the answer from what you saw from the combine for the safeties that were supposed to be first round guys. Is there still a guy that you're interested in? I'm not a great fan of this safety group. I know that Brian Branch was getting a lot of notice before, but he's not even a true safety anyway. He played most of the time covering the slot corner, plays close to the line of scrimmage, could be a strong safety I mean, I don't think there's a there's a great group of safeties. I guess Anthony Johnson is the second safety, I think, on, on that list and potential end of the first round, second round guy. But this isn't one of the better groups of, of safeties, which is which is why for me, it's not a position I would be looking at early. I think Russell Douglas would be my starting point. I agree with Eric. I like Jimmy Ward. That would be a nice pickup if you could if you could get him. You bring him back. Rudy Ford, I guess, at that point would be your number three safety. Darnell Savage is going to be on the roster, so there's your fourth safety. You've got the four guys there. Cut a long story short, no, I don't like this bunch of safeties high in the draft. No, and to be really honest, even if you were looking at a, a good group of safeties, safety is one of those positions that you start to look at there where safeties, multiple safeties don't go in the first round. It's like tight end. It's like running back. It's one of those modern positions where... Those guys don't go in the first round unless they're truly exceptional talents. I don't like Razul Douglas moving to safety at all. Him or Savage. Where does he play? Because for me, like a, a safety has to have like a really high level tackling ability. Neither one of those guys have that whatsoever. I don't think that they're 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 cut out for that job. I don't know what you do with them. I don't think I mean Stokes is coming off an injury. You're going to have to have someone, some type of veteran, fill in. He might not, maybe he won't be ready to go. Beginning of the year, Stokes. So who knows? I don't know what to do with Savage. Bench him again. Rudy Ford becomes your strong safety, right? I mean, of all the guys that we talked about, I mean, Razul Douglas, right? He's not going to stick his hat on anybody. Eric? 
Well, I was just going to say, guy that showed at the end of the last year that he looked to me like a starting caliber safety was Innes Gaines. And Innes Gaines is going to be back. Rudy Ford, I think, is, he will be re-signed. Tariq Carpenter, I mean, and that guy is just an absolute beast. Special teams guy, but at that size, as an in-the-box safety or as a third linebacker, I think we're going to get to see a whole lot more. He was one of these guys that was just a, an absolute beast of an athlete, not a football player by position last year. I expect to see a bunch out of him. And James Wiggins is another young guy. I differ in that, you know, I, I look back to the way Rogers described Russell Douglas last year when he described him as Charles Woodson. And that and, and the reason why why that means something to me is that how many times have you watched Rasul Douglas bait a quarterback into doing something stupid and then doing something to catch up to it? Rasul Douglas to me isn't an outside stick with your man corner. He's not he doesn't have the speed. But what he has, he doesn't and I'm trust me, I'm not comparing him to to Charles Woodson. Um, because that's just, you know, he's a, a once-in-a-lifetime kind of guy. But Rasul Douglas has got an extraordinarily high football IQ, and he sees the field. He's better playing looking at the quarterback than he is with his back to him. He might be he might be okay there. I don't know. Um, but I, I think we need to, we, we're going to need to address the position somehow, or we need to get extraordinarily lucky with the young guys that we already have. If Tariq Carpenter is the answer, I don't want to know the question. <laughs> that guy's, I don't know. I don't know if he can even figure out kickoff coverage, but that's just me. Todd, a bunch of quarterbacks signed in the last couple of days. Derek Carr signed with the Saints. Geno Smith with the Seahawks. And Daniel Jones today. I'm sorry I laughed before I say that. Daniel Jones signed today with the Giants. Of the three teams, which one of those three is the biggest loser? Which is the worst signing of all three of these guys, in your opinion? Just from a contractual like yes. contract? I just burned 150 or 160 million on a I think Derek Carr. I think it's Derek Carr. I don't think he's, I don't want to say he's past his prime, but he's, I feel like he's entering those stages of his career. And he's just never really proven to be a winner. Say what you want about Daniel Jones, but look, look at the year he had. I don't know that I would assign him to that, <laughs> but. I mean, in comparison to the other two, I think Geno Smith had a great year for the Seahawks. I think the Derek Carr one is kind of good for him. Right. That's the big mistake, though. Yeah, I think so. I I mean, I look at the numbers and, and I think I can understand the numbers on all of those deals. I think the Giants are probably kicking themselves that they didn't pick up the fifth-year option on Daniel Jones a year ago. But I guess that's the, ch that's the chance that you take. And the same with... Josh Jacobs, who we may get to later at the Raiders, they didn't they didn't pick up his fifth year option. Now franchised him this year. I think in today's market, you know Daniel Jones forty million a year. You know when the top quarterback is fifty million, that's probably fair given Daniel Jones's age. You know, and not forgetting that the Packers were you know were rumored to be very very high on Daniel Jones the year he came out. Maybe true, may not be true, but certainly there were there you know there was a lot of interest there. I kind of understand all of those deals. If I had to pick one of the three that was not quite as good as the others, I would go with Derek Carr as well. The one, and it kind of surprises me to say it, but Geno Smith had a tremendous year. I think, you know, that's Kirk Cousins' money. seems like Kirk always gets that 33 a year kind of guarantee. I just, I can't wrap my head. I think Peter's correct in the sense this is the NFL. This is what it is. Um, I'm just surprised by those numbers. 
Uh, but if I had to pick one, I would be with Derek Carr as well. Turn it around. Assume, I mean, Lamar Jackson's been franchised, but assume he wasn't. Assume he hits the open market, which he still may yet do. Somebody's going to go in and probably make an offer. What's the what's the number? What's the average per year number for Lamar Jackson? If, say, Daniel Jones is at $40 million, what's the Lamar Jackson number? I'd say it's at oh, least 55 Yeah, 60 Right. That's insane. That's insane. Lamar Jackson has to be like, woo! I can't believe that clown signed for that much money. I'm three times the quarterback that he is. I think that with Lamar Jackson, it's going to be guaranteed money that matters more than the actual dollar amount. You look back at Deshaun Watson, and I don't know, I think almost all of his money is guaranteed, right? The $230 It was all guaranteed. All of it. Thank you. I just think that that's going to be a thing. I think Lamar Jackson will ask for guaranteed money, and I think it'll be $250, It's got to be more than Deshaun Watson. There's not the baggage that, that Deshaun Watson came with, and he's a better athlete and a better quarterback, I think, than Deshaun Watson. So he's got to be asking for more. To circle back to the three guys, I think it is Derek Carr, only because Daniel Jones is young. So four years from a young guy isn't that big of a deal. Derek Carr, like Todd said, hasn't proven anything lately, but they signed him to a four-year deal. And I think there's a lot of guarantees. There's some weird guarantees in his contract that make it kind of like, what are the Saints doing again? Like they've been in cap hell for the longest time and they just don't want to get out of it. They just love living in cap hell. And a no-trade clause as well. That's bananas, right? Like Geno Smith had a great year kind of out of nowhere type year though. And you worry, you know, but it's only a three-year deal. I mean, that's the thing that they can, you know, get themselves out from under. Yeah. And I think with that deal with Geno Smith, that doesn't stop the Seahawks drafting a quarterback this year if they want to. Yeah. Because that time frame works. Pick like five, I think, don't they? Seattle. So they're in in play for that. Those top group of quarterbacks. How about Calvin, Calvin Ridley being reinstated? You start looking at the Jaguars, you're like, man, that was a steal. If this man comes back to play football, even close to the level he was, was it 2020, 2021? I can't remember when he had that breakout year with Atlanta. He's going to be a great player if he can return to anywhere near that. Any thoughts, Todd, on Calvin Ridley? It was a gambling deal with him, wasn't it? He bet on the Falcons when he was, I don't want to call it on leave, but he was away from the team and he bet on the team. And I, I want to say it was something like 1500 bucks, according to him. So let's add a multiplier yeah. of a times 10, because it's probably not 1500 bucks. Come mm, on. Probably not. Right. So it let's say, makes you wonder how they found, how they find out that shit. On his burner, and they still found it. Let's say it was 15 grand Even instead so, of 1500 I mean, He owned up to it. What They suspended it for the rest of the year, didn't they? Yeah, full Last year. year. Yeah. Pete Rose got lifetime. So whatever. Eric, any thoughts on Calvin Ridley? It was funny. The whole... Gambling thing. I think it's one thing when you're betting against your team, you know. And he bet for his team, so right. So, other than doing a Jeff Galuli, how are you going to make that to your advantage? Insider trading. He knew they were going to be good. Gambling is part of the American fabric at this point. Everywhere it is what it is, though. It's like in baseball. On every in every stadium, every clubhouse, there's those words. You knew better. Yeah, the same as everybody else. I mean, he's a good player, and I, and I think you're right. I think he'll do a job for the Jaguars this year and form a first-round draft pick and all of that stuff. They'll be stacked with him. My only concern with Calvin Ridley would be not the time off, would be why was he on hiatus? 
you know, like it wasn't an injury. It was just kind of like he had to take time away from the team. And I'm not going to question whether he wants to play football or not, but he was away from the team for a non-injury reason. That would be my only concern. So a bunch of franchise tags today, Lamar Jackson franchise tag. And his was, was his the non-exclusive rights franchise tag. And that's what you're alluding to before Peter, where teams can go out and look at them. Tony Pollard, Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs. Any thoughts on any of those? I mean, if you, if you're a team that really wants him, two number ones isn't isn't a huge amount to necessarily yeah. give up for, for a guy that was MVP just you know not not so long ago. Uh, the other thing is, I think if you're a team that really wants him and you've got cap space, you could structure that deal so that the Ravens don't have any chance of matching it. They're yeah. not in a great cap position right now this year, so if you put a lot of upfront money in there, they've got no chance of matching it. Which is interesting that they did that, right? Like, who wasn't thinking there? Like, that seems like a really strange way to do things where you could have just franchised, dude, and he would have had to play for you or nobody else. But what it sounds like is they probably believed that even if they'd put the exclusive tag on him, that they were never going to come to a deal. That's what that feels like to me. But now they're in a position of somebody else is going to make a deal and set the market for him. It kind of sounds like they're not uncomfortable with taking two number ones for him. That's bizarre, right? Because who's playing quarterback for you? That Huntley dude? Look, what? <laughs> What's it mean for uh, Zeke Elliott with Tony Pollard being franchised? I wonder. He must still be under contract. Like They're probably just stuck with him, right? Elliott, to me, is he's done. way past. Done. Yeah. Oh, he's, yeah. Way done. He's a shadow of what he used to be. It's a little bit interesting to sign the franchise tag. Hopefully that's just buying them time. If I'm the Cowboys, I want Tony Pollard to play running back for me next year because the other side to that is a complete mess. So hopefully it's just negotiation, gives them time to figure things out before free agency. That's what I, if I'm a Cowboys fan, that's what I hope. For running back, I think franchise tag numbers like 10.1 million. So it's not a huge amount. So if the worst comes to the worst, he plays on the tag. But, you know, you're exactly right. They're going to hopefully from their point of view work out a four-year deal, over $45 million over four years, $50 million over four years, whatever it is, backloaded deal. Eric, thoughts on Saquon Barkley? I wouldn't mind seeing him in green and gold. Right. Him and Dylan <laughs> with the biggest thighs in the league standing next to each other? Both Pollard and Barkley, I think, are, are in that sort of top five special running backs in the league. I did see that Zeke started 14 or 15 games this last year. Over Doesn't Pollard. feel like it, does it? No, it sure didn't. They're fantastic running backs. It's interesting. I'll be very curious to see uh, as as the season or as we head towards the draft. There just seems to me to be a ton of mid-round running backs in this year's draft that I think are really going to have a chance to make some noise. And that's something we're going to have to look at, too. Aaron Jones is uh, getting getting up there, and, and this is the uh, fourth year for, for, for A.J. Dillon, and who knows where we go from there. For me, I think it's interesting the Josh Jacobs thing because with no quarterback in Las Vegas, are they going to lean heavily on him? Which then, do are you able to sign him? There's two things to that, same as Tony Pollard. Like, are you going to just sign him to a nice big contract before the season starts? Because if you lean on him and he has a crazy year and he's on the franchise tag, you, you have no chance of signing him again after that in my mind. So it's, I think it's an interesting play. And finally, our last thing we talk about the Packers always looking to high Raz guys in the draft. And now that the combine is done, it is almost guaranteed that the Packers will pick Anthony Richardson out of Florida, the 
perfect 10. <laughs> Forget Jordan Love. Forget Aaron Rodgers. We love our Raz guys. Peter, you're the draft guy. Of all the high Raz guys on any position, your thoughts on any of those guys like that the Packers might decide to pick because he was a high Raz guy? Or There's a bunch of obvious first-round pick guys like, like Bijan Robinson, right, that the Packers won't pick. But it wouldn't bother me in the very least if he was there at 15 and the Packers took him. I think he's a superstar. You know, then you consider trying to move A.J. Dillon on and you've got two similar type backs in, in, in Jones and Robinson, but the, the, pack, the Packers won't take it. You know, I look at the wide receiver group, Rasheed Rice out of SMU that I've always liked, kind of a middle round kind of guy, maybe third round kind of guy, but showed up really well at, at the Combine. And, you know, you mentioned Anthony Richardson. It would have been interesting to me if if the Packers had gone the other way, and it still might yet happen. Who knows what's going to happen? But if the Packers had gone the other way, Rodgers had come back and they decided to move Jordan Love on, whether whether Richardson would have been on their radar. At that point, you're looking at a guy in Richardson that's probably got to sit for a year or two, only started one year at, at Florida and hardly played in the other two years he was there. It's probably going to sit for a year or two. It would have been really interesting just to see whether the Packers then would have gone down a route of another first-round quarterback because you've almost got to the point I don't want to use the word wasted, but you've gone through Jordan Love's cheaper years, which is the whole advantage of having that first-round quarterback. It would have been interesting to see what the Packers would have done at that point, but that doesn't look like that's going to be the, the situation now. Where else to go with this with this Raz list? I'm not a great Raz guy, I have to say. I think it's a factor, and I know that the, the Packers really, really like it. I mean, I, I, the other guy, I guess, Dale, is a guy that we kind of talked about on Friday night or Saturday night, briefly on Twitter, is Darnell Washington out of Georgia, just because he's really interesting at the tight end spot, which is a position that the Packers certainly need help in. Whether they would go that route at 15 in the first round seems a little high to me, but Darnell Washington, I think his Raz is like 985, something like that. And this is a guy that's 6'7, 275 pounds at least. I mean, he's huge, huge, huge tight end. And he's one of those guys that's been getting a lot lot of traction recently and I guess to a degree coming out of the shadow of the other tight end that's at Georgia that will be a first round pick next year I wouldn't be surprised to see Darnell Washington go in the in the first round even though you know as a guy who only caught about 30 passes this past year his athletic ability for a guy that size is huge 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 and they kept rerunning and rerunning his one-handed catch that he made on the sideline at the combine which was Pretty un- unbelievable. So there's a high Raz guy that I would like, but I wouldn't like in the first round. Todd, if Anthony Richardson is available, let's say the Packers keep Aaron <laughs> Rodgers, Anthony Richardson is available at 15, do you pick him? You are Gutenkraus. Yeah, if I have to match craziness to Gutenkraus, yeah, I'm taking him. <laughs> I'm asking you if you will pick him. I don't want to see as a once in a lifetime thing, but I, I think there's some tangibles there that you just don't see. I think he's a superstar in the making. You couldn't say the same thing about Jordan Love, right? I mean, he's coming out of Utah State or whatever. It'd be very tempting, but as your reputation as a GM, would you do that? You That's know, why I'm you, asking. Would, you. would you have created all this crap with Jordan Love, and then like a couple of years later, Rogers wants out, and you get rid of Love, and then you just go after another? I mean, I don't know. I know I know they won't take a receiver. But would I roll the dice on, on Richardson? I'd be very tempted to do that. Interesting. Yes. Eric, does Anthony Richardson fit the Packers? I don't call it the mold, 
but does he fit the offense that the Packers run with his skill set, or would they have to change what they're doing to fit Anthony Richardson? I think they'd have to change what they're doing, but you know, I, I'm going to go right back on what Peter said. I am all in on Darnell Washington. If we wind up with the 13th and the 15th pick, it would not bother me one little bit to go. I would go edge in the first and I would look at Washington or to trade back down to get him a little bit farther down. But what got me long before the catch was and watching the the blocking at the combine, the sleds, you know, you look at the rest of the tight ends and it was nothing. And then you see this guy just explode and drive that sled in nothing in 10 yards. And, and I, I look at the athletic ability. I saw some catches that he made last year where he didn't look coordinated. I mean, he made some great catches, which tells me he's got good hands, but he didn't look that coordinated. He looked real coordinated. Now, I look at from a special teams contribution, a blocking on special teams, which has been an issue, blocking, I mean, a, a blocking four kicks. I'm also talking about trying to block field goals. I, I think this guy is, uh, this guy might turn out to be somewhat of a generational player. I think he's got that much athletic ability. He's that fast. He ran a tenth of a second faster than Jerry Rice did at 270 pounds. How are you going to cover him in the red zone? The more weapons you can give a young quarterback, you know, I like I like keeping our offensive line together, but to give him a couple of special weapons. The other guy I think is going to probably wind up being the quarterback in Baltimore after they trade with the Bears for the number 1 pick and swap quarterbacks. Interesting. I just have to tell you truth be told, I was telling Peter Peter that I hated Washington. Now, I have to couch that saying that I was drinking some crazy stuff in Door County. I'm not sure what this drink was. It started on fire. I put it on Twitter. I shouldn't be drinking things like that. So maybe that was changing my views. I will agree with you, Eric. When he did blow the sled, it looked effortless when he pushed that sled forward, where the other guys were like chopping their feet, and it looked like it was real effort to do so. It looked like it was very light, like it was almost lighter for him than anyone else. With his RAS score, though, he's huge. So that helps his RAS score. He's heavy. That helps his RAS score. I'm not sure that he's as athletic as some of the other guys that I watched at the Combine, but because he's a little taller and a little heavier than the rest of the guys, I think that helps his score. Would I draft him as a Packer? Yeah, but I don't know if I want any tight end in the first round because I'm only going to throw it to him eight times next year. So I'm wasting a bunch of money. It seems like a lot when the Packers don't utilize the tight end. But I thought there were a, there's a lot of guys of the list of tight ends. There's a lot of guys on that list that you could pick from and you'd be OK to have. So I'm not sure that I go up for Darnell Washington in round one. Peter, there's a guy on this list that scored higher than B.J. Robinson named Daneric Prince out of Mississippi. He scored higher than B.J. Robinson in Raz score, which I think is interesting because I have never heard that man's name before. I just read it on this article. The Packers probably do need a guy. They can't get B.J. Robinson because then they got to do something with A.J. Dillon. But is there a guy, a running back on your list that, yes, I would pick in the fourth or fifth round to be number three? Certainly will be. I can't pluck a name off the top of my head right now, but I do see that Dexter Williams was a high Raz guy. Todd's favorite running back from the past, <laughs> Dexter Williams. Well, so well, <laughs> since we're talking about that, so was Saint Turd and an MVS. Yeah, they were right. So and Jamon Moore, they all sucked. Can't be as enamored with this Raz score. No, the Packers are. 
It's a measurable, right? But there's that's just no pads, no competition. My biggest questions are, can you play football, like pro football? And that looks at, for me, it's all like, I always think like, what conference did you play in? What level of competition of D1 football were you playing at? And how successful were you there? These are just like measurables about how athletic you are. It's like, okay, now put on some pads and play against all the elite. It's a different game than college just because of the level of athletes that you have that are performing out there. And then you got to take into consideration too, the character. Is he going to be a problem in the locker room? Is he going to be a problem out in town? All those things. So Raz is one, like one of those things, but I wouldn't like, you just don't look at it and say, Oh yeah, he's got a nine, nine, five. He's going to be whatever. No, I was going to say, who the hell is James Looney that they drafted in eight? Did you see that on the list? Yes, James Looney, who they switched to tight end or whatever because he couldn't make it on the defensive line. He was a 975. Jesus. I don't even know that name. So. Eric, when we look at this list of any of the positions, is there anybody on this list you think this is a guy besides Darnell Washington that you'd like to see in a Packer uniform next year? No, I think I tend to agree with Todd. It's an indication that you probably have the physical skills necessary to play at a high level, whether that means that you can do it against competition, NFL competition, that level is an entirely different question. One guy I was going to ask Peter if he remembers that I suspect will be a throw-in if we do a deal with the Jets was Denzel Mims. I remember Eric and I were both pretty high on him coming out, and he's done absolutely nothing as a pro absolutely nothing but he was a guy who was i think he was about six three and i think he was about a four four guy he's yeah. somebody that you know what sometimes a change of scenery can make a difference i was a huge denzel mims guy if you go back to episode one i was like oh denzel mims i was drooling <laughs> all over that pool still wrong 116 episodes later but i do agree with eric sometimes it's horses for courses and guys just end up in the in in the right place and conversely, it's often why big money free agents never quite live up to their billing when they move somewhere else. It's just being in the right system, horses for courses, being comfortable in their surrounding, et cetera, et cetera. So you never know with those guys. By the way, I wouldn't be surprised if the Packers picked a corner again in the first round, just to throw that one out there. If they moved Rizal Douglas to safety, and I know that's a part of the earlier conversation, but if that happened, I would not be surprised to see the Packers take a, take a corner again in the first round. Eric, any closing thoughts? Well, thanks. It sure has been uh, fun seeing you all again and being on here and talking Packers football. Nothing quite like it. I've been so looking forward to getting some resolution because then we can kind of plan. Right now, you know, everything's up in the air all day long. Tired of all the media speculation this way, that way. I think it's a really interesting draft. I think it's I think it's one of the uh, a very peculiar draft, uh, and I'm I'm looking to see uh, uh, how this all plays out. This is kind of a fun time of year. Again, it's good to see Eric. And I agree. I think, you know, I, I find this one of the most exciting times of year. And I think lots of fans do as you get closer and closer to the draft because because you live in hope. You hope that whoever you pick on that draft, that that's going to be the guy that fixes your franchise, that's the next NFL superstar. And you can get excited about all of those guys before they play. They may not turn out that way, but before they play for you, you can get really excited about them. So, yeah, it's a... Really exciting time of the year for me. No, oh, thanks for coming on, Eric. Really appreciate the conversation. So wait and see what happens next. So thanks for listening to episode 117 of the Average Cheese Podcast with our old friend, Eric from the Northwoods. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. Pack Go. Pack go.